North Carolina Central's recruiting class was highly anticipated for me this year. I had a question for him. Would you stick to your guns and recruit primarily high school players, or would you start to transition into leaning into the transfer portal more because you had a lot of departures? I got my answer now, though. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make a Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean that the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, Put down a $5 bet. If that wins, you'll get $150 back in bonus bets. We wrap up today's episode with a look at Norfolk State's loss to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. I know that was a long time ago, but I want to bring it back because I realized I don't think it's actually going to be a big deal in the long run. Prior to that, Texas Southern lost to Bethune-Cookman. That may be a major loss because them faltering right before this two-game stretch they got to go on. Not a good deal for them. But we kick off today's episode with a little bit of introspection, not quite for me, but for North Carolina Central, because I had a major question. North Carolina Central, you've been very successful over these last three years, been either a game away from the Celebration Bowl or made it to the Celebration Bowl and came up victorious. When you have that level of success three years in a row, you could become accustomed to it. And sometimes when people become accustomed to where they are, they say, you know what? We going to hit that transfer portal, get a couple of players who have already been established, get us somebody who can immediately contribute for us. Are you going to do that? That's never been their style in a Trey Oliver. Matter of fact, he's been extremely vocal that he prefers to recruit high school players. So I had a little bit of a question. Are you going to stick to your guns or are you going to change your ways a little bit? This recruiting class that they had has definitively answered. This is not Trey Oliver speaking on his his circumstances, right? Because sometimes, sometimes you'll see somebody who has a certain thought process strictly based on what their circumstance is. Once their circumstances change, you see the thought process change. You're like, oh, you ain't, you ain't used to be like that. Well, I used to not have it like that. So when I didn't have a quarterback who was a potential player of the year guy, when I didn't have a running back, a two-handed, a two-headed tandem, when I didn't have a celebration bowl in my hands hoisting up the trophy, yes, 
I was okay starting from ground zero, building foundations, getting high school players. When I had the, the blanket of Davius Richard, I was okay getting these guys. Now I'm not. Just so you know, all of that was hypothetical. All of that was me talking about what maybe he could have said because all of that went out the window. That is in no way how Trey Oliver decided to approach this year's recruiting class. When you look at North Carolina Central's recruiting class in 2024 and you look at it through the framework of looking at my question, are you going to lean more into the transfer portal? Are you going to stick to your guns and recruit high school players? The latter was more than what they did. North Carolina Central brought in 26 players. Only four of those players were transfer transfers from another school. That means they recruited 22 high school players. There are teams out there who will not have a recruiting class of 22 players. And half of the, whatever that number is, whether that's 16, uh, 12, uh, 22, like whatever half of that number is will be from the transfer portal. You, I doubt you will see another team bringing 22 high school recruits. This was a large class. And in addition to being a large class, it was primarily foundational pieces. When I say foundational pieces, I mean guys who you intend on being there for four years. Those are your freshmen. Let's look at the transfer portal guys, though. You had a defensive tackle fields out of the Juco system. He comes in as a junior. So he did his whole two years at a Juco. Then you have a linebacker, Bigelow, who comes over from the University of Tennessee, a redshirt sophomore, so you get three years out of him. Even he is a bit of a foundational piece because you still get reasons out of Bigelow. You have a defensive end, Williams, a redshirt senior, a tight end more from Bethune-Cookman, who is a junior. He actually transitioned from quarterback very recently, then played tight end for the Wildcats, and now he's playing tight end for the Eagles. When you break down the distribution of this, Six cornerbacks, two defensive backs, which I'm assuming because the distinction said defensive back, not cornerbacks. These are either safeties or hybrids. Two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, right? Three tight ends, two linebackers, two wide receivers, a kicker slash punter, three offensive linemen, one running back, two defensive ends, two defensive tackles. Let's look at that distribution as is and then also look at how it relates to the transfer portal guys. Six cornerbacks is a lot. They clearly, and you have eight defensive backs in general, they clearly wanted to go in and revamp that system. They felt like they needed to have an influx of talent in the secondary. Not only is that eight defensive backs, every single one of those defensive backs is a true freshman. So now you're looking at, you got to remember, Davius Richard, that Davius Richard class really set up North Carolina Central. That was their foundation of foundation, right? If I call all high school players foundational pieces, that recruiting class was the foundation for a Celebration Bowl championship. That was it, man. That was his first class, and he came in and achieved a lot of success. It tells me they're trying to set up some sort of similar situation at the defensive back position. Eight of those guys. There's only four on the field, five on the field, in most times, right? Like most times you're going to go nickel or base, and then you'll occasionally get into dime with six. You might get into quarters. Like you're going to get into more defensive backs on the field at times, but primarily you're either going to have two cornerbacks, two safeties, or three cornerbacks, two safeties, three safeties, two cornerbacks, depending on how you count that, that third um, kind of slot guy, right? If you consider him more of a safety or a cornerback, that's typically how you're going to have it, though, five defensive backs on the field. 
the thing that gets me is when you look at their recruiting class and you look at the transfers, they don't come at the places from their big departures. Quarterback, two freshmen. Granted, you do have Walker Harris, so I get it. You don't feel the need to immediately address it. You didn't go get another two-headed punch from a transfer portal situation. You have a running back coming back. But you look at Walker or, excuse me, Harris and Taylor. You had Richard Collier and Taylor. So it was a three-headed monster running the ball. But then you also, you know, one was your quarterback. You had Walker Harris. Then you have uh, Jamari Taylor. But you didn't quite get that transfer portal guy who could come in and be the third running option or the second running back, I should say. The running back you did recruit was a high school South Carolina State player of the year, though. Right. He was the player of the year in the state of South Carolina. So I'll give him that. But you look at Khalil Baker, Jason Chambers, defensive backs. All those are freshmen. You didn't go get a transfer to immediately replace them. Devin Smith, at wide receiver, you didn't go get a transfer to immediately replace him. I guess Kendrick DeJour at defensive end, you can say you got a defensive end to bring bring in for him. So you can say that. Then you got Torricelli Simpkins on the offensive line. No offensive line help. You have, a pro, you have a front seven, and then they tie it in. Three pieces are from the front seven, and then one guy is a tied in as far as transfer portals go, go. Your biggest loss is Devin Smith, Khalil Baker, Jason Chambers, Kendrick DuJour, Torcelli uh, Simpkins, Torcelli Simpkins, uh, Davis Richard, Latrell Collier. If you're looking at guys who just graduated, the majority of your big losses are not addressed through transfer portal immediate um, immediate contributors. These are freshmen coming in. I'm very interested now to see what North Carolina Central looks like because of how much that Trey Oliver stuck to his guns and he didn't waver from what kind of players that he prefers to recruit. As we push forward, we're going to look at my alma mater. We're going to look at Texas Southern. I'm, I'm not very happy with what happened for the men's basketball team. They faltered and now they're looking at a two-game pivotal stretch against arguably the two best teams in the conference. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're in the NBA season. I just got an update to my phone saying that it's outdated because by the time you hear this, it'll be two days ago. But SGA wave and troll the crowd as he was giving them an L. This guy is turning into a superstar, and he's a good guy for you to make a little bit of money off of. He's a walking bucket. You look at a guy like Anthony Edwards. Maybe you want to go to the NHL. Don't ask me about it. I don't know any players. Go stars. But you want to make some money off of all these things because you're a fan. And then it makes you enjoy your watching experience even more. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Now, if you're new to FanDuel, put down a $5 bet. If you win on that $5 bet, you get $150 back in bonus bets. So you become a bigger winner for being a winner already. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, if you're new to FanDuel, get down or put down that $5, get $150 in bonus bets. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today. It's the first of its kind, 24-7, all day, every day, no matter the time, 
Sports Network on YouTube. Go to Locked On Sports today and subscribe. I want to look at my guys, Texas Southern. You faltered, and now you're going into a pivotal two-game stretch. You have to understand that TSU is in the midst of one of those stretches that can be defining of a season. You're in one of those stretches where you really wish you would have won the first game because the next two are extremely difficult. If I wanted to, I could take these, I don't know, I could really just take the rest of TSU's schedule and say, hey, they got a tough stretch to end the year. But I decided that Bethune-Cookman, on Monday that has already passed. Grambling and Southern on this Saturday and Monday that are coming up. That was stopped by a Mississippi Valley State game. I said, that's a nice little period. Let's let's pause there and just look at these three games that I've named. Outside of Valley, that is. My issue with TSU is that they just lost the first game. And that was arguably the easiest of the three. And Bethune-Cookman is not an easy team. That's not an easy out, just to be clear. But you're looking at arguably the two best teams in the conference when you're talking about Southern and Grambling. I would have not preferred to have to go against them because I could reasonably see you go on a three-game losing streak now. I could. On Monday's episode, we looked at Texas Southern's unique standing within the SWAC. Now, normally when you hear standings, you think, okay, record, placement. TSU at the time was 7-3 in third place. It was unique in that way because they were the only relevant team that didn't have a, a partner, as I called it, right? Because they were the only relevant team that wasn't tied with somebody. Grambling and Southern was tied at the top. You had a bunch of other teams tied at like 5 or 4 through 6, uh, 7 through 9. It was a lot of ties. That was broken up on Monday. But also what was broken up was Texas Southern's standing by themselves. They lost to Bethune-Cookman. They're now tied with Bethune-Cookman, which obviously the Wildcats would have that tiebreaker because they just knocked off Texas Southern. That's one way that it hurts you. But then let's look at the other half of the conversation from Monday. It wasn't just standings and, oh, they're third place and nobody's tied with them. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't me beating my chest or anything of the sort. What happened is I looked at Texas Southern and I said, they're third by themselves, one game away from Southern and Grambling. And it doesn't feel like they're talked about like Southern and Grambling. This game for Bethune-Cookman or this game with Bethune-Cookman could be a major game for TSU's perception amongst people because at that time they were two and three against teams who had a 500 or better record they would now be three and three or excuse me two and four against that same group of teams it's ever-changing teams that were one game below 500 are now here get teams that were 500 now could be one game below like it's it's changing just talking about that same group of teams that i was speaking on last time TSU, I felt like needed to win this game to show that they could win against more teams of quality. When I was having that conversation with you, I personally felt like, oh, this is this is kind of similar rhetoric to how I felt about Delaware State. I felt like Delaware State needed to prove it, but it wasn't the same because I don't know if TSU needs to prove it. It's a larger sample size already. At that time that we were talking about Delaware State, there had only been three games played in conference play. 
So there was no, it was an absence of evidence, right? And it was an, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. That I love that quote, but that is what the Delaware State situation was. We hadn't seen you against really good teams. We don't know what you look like against really good teams. We saw you against the Rudy Poos and, you know, maybe not Morgan State, but we saw you against, at that time, Morgan State was looking like a Rudy Poo. But we saw you against teams that were not successful. What about these teams who are? TSU, we 10 games into the into the, uh, the the conference schedule. So, like, I know exactly what you look like against Southern. Even though you didn't win against Southern, I know what you look like against Southern. I know what you look like against Grambling versus, like, I know what you look like. So I felt like we had a little bit more definitive information about TSU than we did Delaware State. So I wouldn't say it was the exact same thing. And then also, this is TS freaking you. And I know I'm an alum, so it may seem like I'm biased, but please understand that Texas Southern has won three conference championships in a row. And in none of those seasons were they the regular season champions. Matter of fact, in last year's conference championship or conference tournament, they were the eighth seed, the last team in. They were also the last team remaining, knocking off the number two and the number one seed. TSU is going to make it to the tournament. And they will be looked at as a threat no matter what place they place in. Because people know they have a history of turning it on at this time. One thing I will say, though, is I may have oversold the, the, the ease of their path to the tournament. I didn't think that they could be caught at all. I thought that they were pretty comfortable. I don't feel that way. I know it was only one loss, but it was one loss and looking at the rest of the schedule. Of the seven games... Everybody except for Mississippi Valley State is pretty solid. Three of the teams that you're facing, they've beat you already. Southern's beat you, got to face them again. Jackson State's beat you, got to face them again. UAPB's faced you or beat you, you got to face them again. So you're going to get some really difficult competition. You're going to have a lot of put-up or shut-up moments. You're going to have to pull through. You're going to have to, uh, how do I want to say this? Let's keep it simple. You're going to have to win games that are not going to be easy. Some of those games you faced off in were a little bit easy. You need to show up for these. And I look at Grambling and Southern, the next two games that they face, you beat Grambling, but that's number two in the, in the conference. You didn't beat Southern. Those are your next two games. You go on a three-game losing streak, you've drastically changed where you were versus where you are now. And that's no bueno. That's why you would have preferred to beat Bethune-Cookman so that you could have a little bit of a cushion. Because if you beat Bethune-Cookman, right now you tie for second with Grambling, and you actually beat Grambling, so you're actually just second. And then you also have an opportunity over this weekend, you know, this four-day weekend, or this three-day weekend, excuse me, with President's Day. You had that opportunity to solidify yourself and even make it up to first place possibly. So, they weren't able to do that, but we'll see what they're able to do against these two Louisiana teams. I, I can't wait. It'll say it'll say a lot. It will it will it will it will put a lot of things in motion. Where do we look at TSU now versus where we look at them after this three game stretch? Now, as we continue with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we'll be looking at Norfolk State, another top team. Except they're in the MEAC. They just lost to a bottom feeder. But I don't think it's really going to matter. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app as I'm speaking. Create an account and use the code Locked On to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. And that's only if you're new to Game Time, by the way. So as I'm talking, go ahead and look up the local events in your city. I don't care if it's a basketball game, comedy show, theater play, a concert, any and everything, whatever's going on in your city, it's there for you. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code locked on, you get $20 off. That's a nice way to say thank you for being a loyal everydayer while also using Game Time. Uh for me, I looked at the tickets, I said, "Oh, I get to see my ticket, I get to see my location, and if I happen to find a better ticket price in the same section in the same row, you'll return my my money 110%." Sign me up for game time because they take care of me. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. Norfolk State lost the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and I was livid about it. I was stunned, and I still have a little bit of stunned in me, but not quite livid because I've come to the grips. This ain't really no big deal. I thought it was originally, but as I've had time to sit, especially as I was looking at the Texas Southern situation, I said, wait a minute. You lost the Maryland Eastern Shore. When is that really going to come back, specifically against Maryland Eastern Shore? When is that going to be something that, you know, oh, man, this is a tiebreaker. I will admit this. Losing to a team when you're five and one, that team is one and five. Losing to that team is definitely going to hurt. And if you're one game within a higher uh, tournament seating, you'll look back at this game with regret. But overall, you got a lot of time and opportunity. There's a lot of season left to play. You got a lot of teams that you can go up against. I can't just put it on this one game. It's too, it's too early for that. Maybe if this was the second to last game, I could put it on that, but teams have stinkers all the time. It happens. Teams have stinkers all the time. You don't want to have too many stinkers. Then you're probably just not that good, but you see it frequently. A team be like, Excuse me. You look at a team like, oh, this is a really good squad. Dang, you faulted to them like that? To them? And it just seems confusing, but we see it on a regular basis. Now, that being said, this was their stinker. Don't let it happen again. But Maryland Eastern Shore isn't going to go on this crazy run and match you and you end up being in a tiebreaker. If that happens, you, you have worse things to look at. If Maryland Eastern Shore and Norfolk State, who are currently three games apart, somehow meet themselves at the end of the year in a tiebreaker, Norfolk State can look at way more than losing to Maryland Eastern Shore on February 5th. And the reason we're still talking about this is the MEAC hasn't had a game since February 5th a conference game, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore and South Carolina State. They played a game on Saturday. That was a non-conference game, but the conference hasn't had a MEAC versus MEAC showdown since February 5th. They will this Saturday. They'll be re- this Saturday, and they'll return to action. But that's why this conversation is still ongoing. 
The second reason this is much of a big deal is Norfolk, or excuse me, North Carolina Central also lost. So with the Eagles losing and the Spartans losing, this was kind of just a reset. It was a net zero. You would have liked to won to have won your game because if you do that, then um, then you have conversations about tiebreakers. <coughs> excuse me. Then you have situation or conversation around tiebreakers and. Norfolk State lost to Central earlier this year. Being one game ahead would be beneficial, but being tied is just as good because if you remain tied until you two face off and then you win that game, then you're one game ahead, and it still doesn't matter. You don't want it to come to a tie. I don't know what happens if those two teams split and they end up having the same record. Tiebreakers will go beyond head-to-head, and I'm not ready to get into that right now. But at the same time, if you're Norfolk State, you control your, your own destiny. You don't have to let it get to that. Control your own destiny should be the, the actual tagline on why that game didn't matter. Losing to Maryland Eastern Shore did not keep you from controlling your own destiny. So at the end of the day, this is not an overly big deal. You're going to regret it. You're going to hate that you lost the game. But in the grand scheme of things, you have your eye on number one. You have your eye on the top spot in the conference heading into the tournament. North Carolina Central is the game that you really need to be looking at. Try to stay either tied or one game ahead of them. You don't want to be behind. Once you drop one game behind, even if you split, you might still not win. You might still not win that tiebreaker. Focus on being tied with North North Carolina Central or having a one-game lead on them. So I'll put it like this. You have you still control your own destiny. And there's time and opportunity for you to get past this loss. So that's our episode. I hope that you enjoyed this. It's pre-recorded. I recorded this way early. But we'll be back on tomorrow's episode with, with NFL Combine Talk. I think we're going to come back discussing the Combine invites. Only two HBCU players made in the NFL Combine this year. Do I have a problem with that? Would I add somebody? What about the guys who made it? Let's have that conversation on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.